0: Hey there, neighbor. Welcome to Good Life News, a weekly podcast where we talk about ideas, living the abundant Christian life, and God's wonderful, wonderful love. I'm your host, Pastor Lauren Fenton, an old farm kid, Bible student, preacher of grace, husband of one, father of two, papa for five, and really just another pilgrim headed for home. I'm so glad you've clicked in to join me on this journey today. Let's walk together for a few minutes and see what we can discover on the way to the kingdom. Are you ready? Ready? Let's go! (music) Greetings once again, friends. This is episode 13 of the podcast. The title of this week's episode is The Incomparable Christ. Here are the words to a popular song we used to sing with church kids many years ago. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. The Lord of Lords Supreme through all eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. There are several more verses to this song that I never knew about until recently. We only sang the first verse over several times in a row, but each time we'd tag it with these added words, which I discovered are not part of the original song, but here they are. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Hide me ever in the rock of ages, rock of ages, cleft for me. Well, there's a lot of great truth in that little song, and today I want to explore a few thoughts and observations as we seek to know more about this person who is truly one of a kind in the entire universe. First, I want to explain briefly a biblical Greek word that sadly has been somewhat mistranslated into English. In John 3.16 and several other verses in the New Testament, the word begotten is used to identify Jesus as the Son of God. Most Bible students are familiar with the expression God's only begotten Son, and the use of begotten in this phrase stems from an early translation of the New Testament by Jerome of Stridon, who is commonly referred to as Saint Jerome or simply Jerome. Now, he should not be confused with a Christian martyr, Jerome of Prague, who lived a thousand years later. Jerome of Stridon was a Latin priest living in the 4th century AD, a biblical languages scholar He worked on revising and updating some earlier Latin translations, including the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jerome's final manuscript is known today in biblical academia as the Latin Vulgate, which heavily influenced subsequent translations of the Bible into English. For over a thousand years, from about 400 to 1400 A.D., The Latin Vulgate Bible was the only translation of the scriptures that was allowed by Rome. Individual commoners were not permitted to own a copy, and most were illiterate. The Greek word translated begotten is monogonese. When translating monogonese, Jerome chose a Latin word with the underlying meaning of procreation, instead of another very similar sounding word, but more accurate, meaning unique. Unfortunately, when the early English versions were produced, the translators relied very heavily on Jerome's Latin Vulgate, resulting in the use of the word begotten, implying that Jesus was in some way created or birthed by God the Father. This is simply incorrect, both linguistically and theologically. Begotten was then used in the 1611 King James Version, and due to the 300 plus years of the KJV's dominance in the English-speaking world, begotten became firmly established in the minds of all the believers speaking and reading English. The true meaning, however, is found in the original Greek term monogenes, which literally means one of a kind or a completely unique person. And when we stop to think about it, there is no other being in the entire universe like Jesus. He is uniquely both fully God and fully human. But let's move on. The little song I quoted at the beginning of this episode lists several important identities of Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, the Way, the Truth, the Life, the Door. And yes, Jesus has all of those and more. Maybe in a later episode I can explore those titles of Jesus a little more fully. But for now, I'd like to look at several earthbound occupations that could have been natural choices for Jesus in his made flesh experience, but which he laid aside to focus on his Father's mission and purpose. The first of these that I want to talk about, and each one will just be a brief description and an observation. The first one is a carpenter. Around the time of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, Herod Antipas began to rebuild the city of Sepphoris, which is about five miles northwest of Nazareth. Herod had designated Sepphoris as the capital city for the province of Galilee, which he began ruling after the death of his own father, Herod the Great. The building process for the city continued for many years, resulting in very rapid growth in both population and importance for the region. When Joseph the carpenter returned from Egypt with Mary and Jesus, it's very possible, and perhaps even probable, that he looked for work in Sepphoris. The distance from Nazareth was not far, probably about an hour's walk each way. With his donkey carrying the tools, Joseph could easily make the commute to and from Sepphoris every day. It's not unthinkable that as Jesus grew from childhood into his adult years, Joseph might take him along to help with the building projects. As Joseph's apprentice, whether in the city or at home in the carpentry shop, Jesus would have mastered the skills of the trade. If that were his mission in life, he certainly could have easily become the best carpenter ever to pick up a hammer or saw. Nevertheless, Jesus knew his mission, and it was not just to build houses or furniture. His mission was to seek and to save lost souls for the kingdom of God, and he chose to stay focused on that ultimate goal. Another occupation that Jesus could have chosen had he decided to have a worldly occupation, a worldly career doing something, would be a shepherd. Uh, Jesus knew how to take care of sheep. His earthly genealogy line extended all the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Jesus came from the line of King David, who a shepherd boy who watched his father's flocks on the hills of Bethlehem before he was anointed as the new king of Israel. And although there's no biblical evidence that Jesus had direct experience in taking care of sheep, there was certainly plenty around the Galilean countryside for him to observe. Jesus knew the history of the Jewish people as well, and he knew the personal interest a true shepherd would have for his flock. In fact, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I know my sheep, and they know me. This is from John 10, verses 11 and 14. And, of course, he also told a wonderful story in Luke 15 about the one lost sheep that was missing from the flock and the shepherd who went searching for it. Indeed, Jesus could have been an outstanding shepherd, but instead... He chose you and me to be part of his spiritual flock. Well, another occupation that Jesus could have followed or chosen would have been a master physician. Now think about this. No one ever died in the presence of Jesus. Not only that, every dead person he ever encountered he brought back to life. Every sick person who requested his help received healing. Jesus didn't need to spend long years in preparation to practice medicine. He healed the diseases and injuries and fears around him with a touch or sometimes just a simple word of assurance or instruction. The faith of the sick made them whole. He could have become history's most renowned physician. But again, he chose the only course which would bring eternal healing and wholeness to the entire body of mankind. Well, he also could have become a master fisherman. One of the greatest challenges for people who fish is where to locate them. Uh, In my closet, as I'm recording this, just to my left here, I have a battery-powered sonar fish finder, which I've only used once or twice since buying it several years ago. Uh, This device is supposed to show you a picture on the screen, the location and the depth of the fish in in a lake. I have to confess I never had much luck with it, probably because I didn't really know anything about operating it successfully. But Jesus didn't need a sonar fish finder. He knew right where they were and used his knowledge several times to teach his disciples, who were professional commercial fishermen, what it meant for them to become fishers of men. And finally, Let's look at Jesus as a master builder. I mentioned earlier about Jesus learning carpentry as an apprentice to his earthly father, Joseph. But we must not forget that he, Jesus, was the greatest builder of all time. Even the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And Paul tells us in Colossians 1, 15 and 16 just who was that builder. He says this, quoting from the New Living Translation, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And then Jesus, the master builder, also left us with these promises. John 14, 1-3 Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come again and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. Uh, This again is from the New Living Translation. And we must not miss this beautiful description of the home he's preparing for us, And I'm reading it now from the New King James Version. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. And this is John writing about his vision. And he says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, Many years ago, when I was about fifteen, many years ago, when I was about fifteen, I tried to build a doghouse for our family farm dog, Victor. My attempts at building, I'm sorry to say, were a total, and I mean total, failure. I did try, but I simply did not know how to join the various structural parts together correctly. What I ended up with was a total embarrassment, and a pile of ruined lumber. And to this day, I can't believe how terrible it looked. Well, my doghouse project was only saved by my father, who stepped in and took over. He was a skilled carpenter with years of experience. And under his able hands, Victor's doghouse came into existence and sheltered not only Victor for several years, but... All the other successive dogs who followed him on our farm. The doghouse was beautiful, functional, and loved by all the dogs who called it home. And yes, friend, I don't know who you are or where you are as you listen or read these words right now. But may I be so bold as to invite you to drop whatever tools you have, tools of your self-will, and pray this prayer. Come, come master builder, tear down this miserable structure I've been trying to build out of my life. Clear away the foundations of my self-sufficiency and build upon yourself the superstructure of holiness. If you humbly present that prayer to Jesus, who is the incomparable Christ, I assure you he will answer in the fullness of ways you can only begin to imagine. Well, once again, thank you so much for listening today. I pray you've been blessed. I hope you can join me for next week's episode. I'll be sharing some thoughts about several books written by N.T. Wright, the British theologian and clergyman, whom I mentioned in last week's episode when I shared the five things that never change. If you enjoy deep and truly insightful, inspiring reading, I know you will find the work of Dr. Wright very worthwhile. So be sure to tune in. And if you enjoy these podcasts and blog posts, please share with your friends, family, or whomever. And be assured you have my many thanks. So we've come to the end of this episode of the Good Life News Podcast. If you would like to comment or join a conversation about today's content, please visit our website at www.goodlifenews.light. I'd love to hear your thoughts and observations. On the website's blog page, you can also find a complete transcript of the most recent episode, which will always be posted at the top of the page. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. If you'd like to help out in this ministry, it's incredibly helpful if you'd leave a nice rating or review on your platform of choice. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week as we continue our journey exploring more about God's love, His amazing grace, and the incredible good news of the everlasting gospel. Until then, walk in peace, live in hope, and hold your treasures with open hands.